Good morning. As my wife said earlier, the few and the proud and those who are still in town, nice to be able to be with you on this last day of the year. My name is Ron. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to be able to be with you. I have uh, back, I think there's a slide that shows a number. Number seven. What is the significance of number seven right now, do you think? What do you think seven represents for us right now? Thoughts? What? Ah, could be. Why would that be significant? What, what do they have to do? Why would there be seven swans of swimming? What does that have to do with? <clears throat> it's the seventh day of Christmas. That's exactly right. And as was mentioned, how many of you know the, the uh, song, The Twelve Days of Christmas? Many of you have heard this. So, yes, seven is the seven swans of swimming. There you go. Anyone get this for a gift today? Anyone? Anyone get this given to you at all? Anyone glad you didn't? Seems really fun. We once had like four chickens, and that was enough. And we don't have four chickens anymore, so that probably tells you what it's like to take care of birds. So if you know that song, there's a ton of birds that are given. I'm not sure who that person is who's given those, but it's a little... If it's anything like our lives, you don't want the birds. But it seems like a nice idea at one point. But that is all part of this whole idea of the 12 days of Christmas. And you know that we're actually in the middle of the 12 days of Christmas. The 12 days of Christmas actually start on Christmas Day. I I was kind of confused by that at various points in my own life, thinking it was kind of leading up to Christmas. Because in our culture, everything kind of leads up to Christmas. But actually, in the church calendar, the time that we're in right now is what's called Christmas tide, And it's actually leading up to January 6th, which is known as Epiphany. In the early days of the church, Advent was the four weeks that was kind of preparing ourselves for Christmas, for the idea of the coming of Jesus, of the Son of God. And then Christmas Day began this 12-day celebration of actually celebrating the coming of Jesus which is, again, called Christmastide, and all of that leading up to something we call Epiphany, which in many ways was the greatest feast of the Christmas season, actually. There was a feast on Christmas Day, but Epiphany was also a great feast, and that is because Epiphany celebrates when Jesus was revealed to the whole world, this idea that not just to the Jewish people, but Jesus was revealed to all the world, and that was really represented by the Magi, this idea that if you know after Christmas the Magi came and uh, came when Jesus was born, the Magi came to worship Jesus. And from what we know, the Magi were not Jewish; they were astrologers or people of learning who were outside of Israel. And they came. Uh, they heard from. The, they saw from the star that Jesus was born, and they came to worship him. And it, they're the first known non-Jewish people to come and worship the baby Jesus. Jesus is the King of Kings. And so the Christian church actually celebrates this idea of epiphany as this great day when the gospel of God is given to all the world, not just to the Jewish people, that Jesus being king of king and lord of lords is known throughout the world. And it's really worth celebrating. And I think it's kind of fun that we're actually having a potluck. I don't know if we fully organize it this way, but it's fun that we're having a potluck that is from, you know, all of your cultures and representing your traditions and things like that. It's, it's really a wonderful way to celebrate how Jesus is for all the world for every culture, for every tribe, from every nation, from every people. And it's also interesting, I think, because today is the last day of 2023. You you guys realize that? And in the past, our church has kind of done a thing where we've kind of 
spent this last day of the year to kind of reflect back and also look forward. We called it looking forward, looking back. If you're on the church email list, Susan sent out a reflection guide. Hopefully you got that. That was uh, about on the 26th she sent that out. And it's a reflection guide to kind of have you sort of process through and think about how the year has been. And then as you look forward to look at the year. And there are also some guides. If you didn't get that, there are physical guides that are on the welcome table. So as you leave, you can grab one of those. This morning, I kind of want to do a combination. If you know me, I like to kind of optimize and I bring all these things together. And I want to combine together this idea of epiphany and the story of the Magi and the Magi coming to know and get get to worship Jesus and this revelation of Jesus to the world. And how does their example guide us as we look forward? How can their example guide us in our lives as we look forward? And I want to look at three things that we learn from the story of the Magi, how they found Jesus how they responded to Jesus, and how they then chose to live after finding Jesus. How they found him, how they responded to him, and how did they then live after finding Jesus. And there are going to be a couple of points in this sermon where I'm going to actually give you a few moments to reflect on it. So there'll be a couple of points where I'll give you a chance to reflect. And if you're a type of person that likes to write things down, you can probably grab some various pieces of paper and pencils on your table and write some thoughts down. But we'll do that. But before I do that, I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for gathering us here together for this chance to worship you and to be able to tell the story of those who worshiped you thousands of years ago and that we continue in that tradition to worship you together. And I pray as we talk and as we think about these stories that you've shown us and taught us that you would teach us what you want to show us for each of us individually through these stories, God. How do you want to speak to each one of us? And I pray you open our hearts and our minds to listen to you in this. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The story of the Magi is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, and it starts like this. Many of you probably heard this, but let me just help, help you listen again. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So as I mentioned a little earlier, there's not a lot known about these people that we call magi, also kind of the term used as wise men, other than what Matthew kind of tells us here. We know they're from the east of Israel, and Matthew is using this word magi. And this word magi is typically used for astrologers or people of kind of learning in eastern cultures like in Babylon or in Persia. We know they're astrologers because it tells us here that they were looking at the stars and they saw the star and they observed this new star showing up and they put two two and two together, one and one together to make two and they've realized something's going on here and we want to go. This star is representing this special king of Israel. Tradition has interestingly called them kings. And it's interesting, we don't have no evidence that they're actually kings. So where did that come from? And it's interesting, it's because there are prophecies in Isaiah and in uh, Psalms about the Messiah, and in those prophecies, it talks about these. Old, they talk about kings bearing gifts of gold and frankincense coming to worship the Messiah. So I think we kind of threw that together and thought, okay, maybe maybe they represent kings in many ways. We also don't know how far they come to go worship Jesus, but you get a sense that they have to come from a de- decent distance because when they arrive, they don't know where they're going, and they have to ask directions. And they have to find out, where is this? What is going on here? They're kind of checking things out. They don't really know what's going on when they show up there. And so they ask directions. Now, sadly, they ask kind of the wrong guy for directions. They ask King Herod 
for the directions to find out about this new king. But what I think strikes me about this story as we think about the Magi is they went to great lengths to leave their homes, to leave their countries, to go to a different country, possibly even a hostile place, to find out about this king of the Jews based on one single point of light. Right? That's the evidence they had was this one single point of light. And they left kind of everything to go find out about Jesus. We have no indication in this story that, like, we know that the shepherds had a choir of angels come and tell them about this baby Jesus. There is no indication that the Magi got a choir of angels. We also have no indication there was a point in the, the, the story where Joseph gets a dream telling him what to do. We have no indication the Magi got a dream about anything. All we know is they saw this star and they came to find out and to worship One special point of light against this vastness of the night sky. But that point of light was enough to guide them to the baby Jesus. And once they went, they discovered the Son of God. They discovered the true light that had come into the world. You know, as I think about this and what does this mean for me, what does it mean for us as we think about a new year and we think about what's coming in front of us, I believe it's a reminder, it's a reminder to me and it's a reminder to all of us from God that if you're a follower of Jesus, we are the points of light for those around us. We are the point of light for those around us who are are seeking spiritual truth and don't really know who Jesus is. Jesus himself says this when preaching to his followers, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Just as God placed a new light in the sky to guide the wise men to his son Jesus, God has placed you and I in the lives of our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers to help them be guided towards Jesus. And I think that can be hard sometimes. We can often feel like we're one speck of light against the vastness of all these other competing lights, and it can be discouraging for us. But, you know, I've been encouraged as I look back over this last year at us as a church and what we've been learning to do. Um, we've been stretching ourselves as we've been trying to invite friends and neighbors and coworkers to have conversations about Jesus through things like Alpha, and we did this Explore God series with a bunch of other churches in the Bay Area. A while ago, we heard from folks like Royce and Sarah Unstead and Esmond and Hannah Lee, who talked about groups that they had formed, and they had invited some friends in, and they had these interesting and good conversations. And there were other groups you didn't hear about that had met or are planning still to meet. Actually, there's even one, there's this little group going on even this weekend that's happening right now that's trying to just get people to know more about who Jesus is. And what encourages me about this story for the wise men and how it applies to us and encouraging us is that, first of all, for these wise men, there is no indication that any of them had any Judaism in their background and that Judaism was their chosen or birth religion. They were astrologers, you know, people that studied spiritual things. All we know is that they were seeking spiritual truth and they were able to find Jesus through that process. When they saw the light, they came towards it. There's a lot of people around us who don't have Christian backgrounds, who don't have any, they weren't born into Christian families. They don't know a ton about what, who Jesus is at all. 
But God is able to still shine his light and let them know about his son, Jesus. There are spiritual people looking around, seeking truth around us, just like these wise men were in a different country, a different place, looking for truth. And as we look forward in this year, I want to be encouraged by the story of the wise men and allow Jesus to use us and to shine his light through us to those around us. Now, before you get discouraged, maybe you think, oh, I know, but I, I'm not good at this, and I don't, know how to, I don't know how to tell people about, you know, what it means to follow Jesus or things like that. You know, I thought it was really interesting. The star actually didn't explain the path of salvation to the wise men. The star didn't explain that Jesus was fully God and fully man. The star simply pointed the way to Jesus. And they came, and they found Jesus, and they realized that Jesus was worth worshiping. So I want to challenge you in this as we think about this new year coming together for us as we look into 2024. I want to invite you to consider one person in your life who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know who Jesus is, who has no idea about faith. And I want to invite you to commit yourself to pray for that person, to really pray for that person, to ask God to somehow shine his light to that person into their life using you or others around them, even to give you an opportunity to invite them to Alpha or even invite them to have a conversation. And I actually want to just give you a little bit of time right now to think about that and to ask God who might be on your heart in that way. So I'm going to give you like two minutes to just sit and think and just say, like, Lord, is there someone on my mind or heart that you want me to pray for? And even at this moment, if, you, if they've come to mind, I want to invite you to pray for them silently where you are. I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to think about that. (laughs) When the kids start crying, then you go, okay, well, maybe that's... (laughs) I don't know how that was for you. I I mean, just even as I was sitting here, a couple of uh, faces of people that I've had conversation with came back to mind, one in particular who I haven't reached out to in a while. So, you know, just going to ask God to work in that and see what he wants to do. But I hope he's been doing that or he does, does that for you. And, and I would just continue to invite you to just pray, pray into that. Um, God wants us to join him as he goes out and seeks others to know him. Well, let's keep reading about the wise men. They found out from the priests about this Messiah and that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. And so then it says here in reading on in Matthew, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. We already see in this story that Herod inserts himself into their search for Jesus. Herod's got his schemes. He's working his stuff out. He's meeting secretly. We already see he's meeting secretly with them. And he's like, hey, go find the baby. You know, go, go let me know. And I want to go worship him. But we know he's got a whole different political agenda going on. He is not interested in worshiping Jesus. He knows Jesus is a threat. And so he's not involved in that. But yet... The Magi don't have a clue about this. They're like, oh, okay, interesting. We're going to go find Jesus. They do, and what happens? They bow down and they worship the baby Jesus. Now, what's interesting about this part of the story is we don't know exactly when this happens. 
it's convenient to put it all on Christmas night because it all fits into a crest scene that you want to put on your counter or on your table or something like that. But actually, it could have been up to two years later that the Magi showed up and worshiped Jesus. So Jesus could have been actually a toddler. Many of you have seen me walking around with my grandson. That's my grandson, Ransom. He's visiting us from Alaska, and it's really been fun. He's, I, I, I say he's very cute. I, I, I can say that myself, but I think it's true. He's a very cute kid, and he's about eight months old, right? And he's very interactive, right? And you can see it. And, and I love, you know, holding him and putting him on my arm, and, and he smiles, and he's really good at engaging everyone he meets. But right now he's done nothing really. He can't speak. I mean, it's not clear that he's done anything of significance, he can't even re- eat solid food, right? I mean, he's a beautiful kid, but, you know, he's clearly not grown up into who he's going to be, right? He's not done all the things that, he has, that, that God has planned for him. And yet, these adult men come to this child, and they realize they don't do the things, like, they don't, there's no sense they kind of grab him and sort of tickle him under the chin and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of poke him in the belly or whatever, or bounce him on their knee, what do they do? They bow down and worship him. I think that's an interesting lesson for us too. Sometimes Jesus in our lives isn't fully revealed. We don't always fully understand what he's doing or who he is in our, in our lives, and yet we can still choose to worship him. We can still choose to worship him. And here's the other thing. The wise men not only do that, but they also give him gifts. And these are significant gifts. It seems like these were not cheap gifts. These were expensive gifts. They, they cost them something to go do this. It's clear that they didn't come to Jesus out of curiosity. They came to worship him and to bring gifts as part of their worship. And it's interesting so that they worship him both in action. They bow down and they worship him. And they also give of their means. And it says they gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it's interesting. We kind of know what gold is. Frankincense and myrrh, a little fuzzy, not the kind of gift like if somebody brought you frankincense on a Christmas Eve, you'd be like, huh, interesting. What do I do with this? But those actually were really, as it turns out, prophetic gifts uh, in terms of who Jesus was going to be. Gold was often associated with kings. And so in a way, gold was saying, you are the king of kings. You are going to be a king. Frankincense was an incense that was used in the temple. And it was also uh, a healing ointment. And so in many ways, it kind of reflected or spoke to his divinity, the divinity of Jesus. And myrrh was an ointment that was used to anoint priests and prophets, and it was also used to anoint the dead. And so in many ways, it also kind of spoke to his humanity and the fact that Jesus was going to suffer and die so that humanity could be saved. So the Magi ended up worshiping Jesus by physical action, by actually you know, going down and bowing down. And they also gave him gifts. And as we look forward into this new year, I think we want to remember the example of the Magi, that worshiping Jesus involves devotion and involves sacrifice, including giving back to him some of what he's given to us. So as you think about 2024 and as we look forward into 2024, I want to encourage you to think about how you might worship Jesus fully in who you are and in what you have. Some of you, that might simply mean committing yourself to prayer. And one way you can do that is by joining weekly prayer meetings. We have weekly prayer meetings that that are held, and I join typically one on Wednesdays. Uh, Clarice and and, uh, Oliver help to lead that, and it's like 40 minutes of the day. You could do that. You could also decide to join our prayer ministry team. I love when we have enough prayer ministry people that when people are coming for prayer, more than one person is praying for them. It could be that you choose to go to the worship and prayer night on January 5th. Look, 
sometimes you're probably like, I would rather watch Netflix. But this could be a way of you deciding, hey, I'm going to go choose to worship. It might be a different thing to do. For some of you, in terms of giving of the means, that might mean that it's time to start tithing or giving of your resources more regularly, even if that seems hard or not your style, because that is a part of worship. And for some of you, that might mean, like the Magi, going out of your way to do something or to go to an uncomfortable place. For example, try to join a new small group. Maybe you don't know anyone in that group. That's like going to a foreign country. But that's okay, because that's part of what it means sometimes to experience more of Jesus. So I want to encourage you, there's different small groups there that you could join. I want to just think about the example of the wise men for us as we think about what it means and how they showed us how they worship fully and what does it mean for us to worship Jesus fully with ourselves and our time and our resources as we enter this new year. And so I want to give you a little bit more time again to think about that question, to ask God if anything comes to mind that he's inviting you to consider doing or giving differently as a form of worship to him in this new year. And I'm going to give you another minute and a half to think about that and just to pray, just see how is God maybe inviting you into something to consider doing or giving differently as a form of invite us to come back. And, you know, it's interesting as I was just sitting here and been thinking about this, <laughs> I remember I was reading a story about a couple that talked about how they knelt by their bed and prayed at night. And my wife and I have been talking about how we would like to pray more together, but we often get into bed and then you get, you know, and then you fall asleep and stuff doesn't happen. Kneeling by your bed sounds like it's such a 50s thing, right, from like the 1950s. But I wonder, I don't know, God might be calling us to do that as a way to actually, sometimes physically doing something different helps you to do something different. Um, So that might be something he's calling us to do. All right, let's finish our story of the wise men. And this is when the story gets kind of messy. Reading in Matthew 12, it says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. This is part of the Christmas story. is the tough part. We don't love to talk about this. You know, Herod is playing a really different political game, as I mentioned, right? He is not intending to worship Jesus And here's the thing. Think about this. He meets with the Magi, it says, secretly. So you're meeting with the most powerful person in this area. You're a foreigner showing up in a place. You're meeting with the most powerful king. And he meets with you secretly and looks you in the eye and says, hey, when you find this baby, come talk to me. Tell me about it, right? And they're kind of clueless. They're probably, I bet you they said, sure, we'll do that. Yeah, okay, makes sense. I mean, Think about that. I mean, have you ever been in another country? I mean, especially when you're in another country, you kind of want to keep a low profile. You don't want to willfully disobey the ruler of the area who has all the power to wipe you out, right? Especially when they met with you one and on and said, hey, let's talk, right? But here's what happens. The Magi get a dream. And it says, go home. Don't go, to, don't go back to Herod. And it says, so they do just that. They don't actually go back. I find this interesting, don't you? I said this earlier. I think the Magi, only all we know is the Magi found Jesus through the star and some Q&A when they showed up in Jerusalem, right? That's how they found out about Jesus. But now they worship him, and what happens? Now they're starting to get communications from God. They're starting to experience they've got a dream telling them what to do. Communication from God 
They begin to interact with him. And what happens? He gives them a direct order to disobey what Herod just told him to do. And the wise men disobey Herod as a result. And sadly, the result is not great for the kids in Bethlehem, for the boys. It's death for many. God is sovereign. And as I look at the story, his plan has not stopped. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus escape because God had told them what was going to go on. The wise men escape with their own lives. But a bunch of kids got killed. And that doesn't mean in this story, it's the story of good and evil happening together. That God is at work, but in the middle of it, so is evil. And that is what we have to deal with. The lesson here is that God is still at work even when evil is happening. But here's what's interesting. The the wise men, the magi did this. They chose to follow God's plan rather than the political and economic powers at that time. They chose to obey God's plan, not the political and economic powers in that place and at that time. And as we enter 2024, I'm going to tell you this. This is going to be a messy year politically. There's an election coming, and it's potentially going to be really messy. The political parties are intent on winning power by whatever means possible. There's going to be a ton of mudslinging and lying and downright manipulation that's going to go on. Things are already in courts. It's going to be messy, folks. And I think like the Magi, we who are worshipers of Jesus need to decide who we're going to listen to during this time. And that likely means we may have to disregard or even counteract what is being demanded to us by the political parties at this time. The Apostle Paul says this in his letter to Jesus' followers in the diverse city of Philippi. He says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have had us as a model... Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. We have to remember this as we enter this new year, as things are going to get messy in the political realm. We cannot allow ourselves to get dragged into the selfishness and the hatred and the false hopes that often characterize our modern politics. But we are citizens of heaven, and we must choose to follow God's ways as we engage with our church, as other church members, and as our neighbors, and as our co-workers as it comes into this political season, and especially as we gauge or not online. The Apostle Paul is telling this to the Christians in Rome. And Rome was kind of a difficult place for the Christians who were living there at that time. And he says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, we have to remember as we enter into this year, which will, I think, have many challenges, that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will eventually rule over all. And let's not lose sight of that as this year begins. And let's remember to be obedient to him and how he is calling us to live in the same way that the Magi were obedient, even though they'd had this kind of one-on-one with Herod. It's like, hey, they're like, nope, we're going to follow what God is saying. So as we enter 2024, I want to challenge you to decide now how you're going to navigate this coming political season to remember where your citizenship lies. 
never let kind of this glow of political power and how that's going to solve all our problems drown out the light that is truly Jesus' light because Jesus is the one who will truly make things right. That means we continue to engage in the political process. We have that benefit and blessing. That's okay, but let's be clear who's in charge. We need to follow God's ways in that process, not our own. Well, so as we celebrate, as I close here, we celebrate the coming of Jesus in this Christmas tide, and that's leading to Epiphany. And as we look towards a new year, which is starting tomorrow, I want to encourage you again in this example of the wise men. How the wise men found Jesus through the light of just, just this one star, and how God could be using you as a light to those around. How the wise men responded to Jesus in worship by submitting themselves to him and also giving of their resources as part of their worship. And how the wise men chose obedience to God over the political powers of the day. They chose obedience to God over the political powers of the day. And so the message, I think, of Epiphany for us as we enter into 2024 is that God invites us in. He invites us in to be his light to those around us. He invites us in to worship him fully. And he invites us in to choose obedience to him, even if it feels costly. Again, I think Paul's, Paul's words to the Colossians, he says this, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Let us be like the wise men, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. So let's be, as the wise men were, wise as we enter this new year in worshiping Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, just we thank you again for your stories and for learning from these men who came from far away, had kind of, but they were seeking truth and they wanted to know you. And you revealed yourself to them. And we are thankful that you want to do that, not only with us, but with those around us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would give us encouragement and confidence as we go into this new year that you can draw us to yourself, that you can draw others to yourself, that you can call us to worship you and you can give us strength to obey you, even in the midst of a lot of challenging times. And so I pray for that courage and that strength and that joy as we enter into this new year together. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.